good. You're so patient. Thank you. That's what, what everyone says. That's what late people say to other people. Uh, Is that what I've supposed to have been saying this whole time? Yeah, it was later on the, that kindness or the, uh, you know, make the other person feel like it's not that I was late. It's that they were patient and I gave them an opportunity to display their patience. patience. Oh, I thought you were just being, uh, I thought you were just being deferential, but no. No, it's manipulative for sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. I, I woke up, I woke up, uh, roll, crawled out of, of bed, you know, slowly reanimated and then realized that we could, I'm off work for the next few days. So we could have literally done this at any time and not early in the morning, but then actually, yeah, yeah I'm off today too. Well, it's <laughs> happening. <laughs> yeah. It was like, uh, we could have not. Uh, done this to ourselves, but then, uh, especially, I was up late with hanging out with Shannon and stuff, but um, all at the same time, it's, it's waking up during this is somewhat in the in the spirit of it, and also, I have to be moving boxes all day, so it's good that I'm getting up and moving around. Oh, so that is why you're off. I am, yeah, well, 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 hmm, hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I have a couple of things going on this weekend. That was this, that was me deciding what I want to make podcast conversation. I guess I don't care. Um, I have a few things going on. Would you like to hear about them? Or do you want to talk about where we've been the last two weeks, singing as we took last week off? You know, you make that sound like there's some kind of secret podcast trip we took. And it's oh, that's about to be revealed, <laughs> oh, yeah. which would be really awesome if true. But um, I've been at my house mostly. Cool. Uh, <laughs> well, in that case, I'm going to talk about what I'm doing this weekend. Um, so the movers actually come next Tuesday, um, and that's will be our actual first night in the place. It's it's all worked out to be very, uh, you know, uh, I. I, uh, so you've been evicted. Uh, yeah, I've been evicted. Oh, well, our, our, yeah. All right, we're, we've got um, until Tuesday to get off the premises. Um, they already took all our stuff. <laughs> um, no, we we're, we're, um, have a very like a flexible landlord and a flexible new landlord. And so I'm able to like go ahead and start moving this weekend. The reason I need to do that uh, is I'm going to be uh, undergoing a procedure on Friday that's going to leave me um, uh, couch-ridden for, I'm told, 48 hours. Oh, I can guess what that is. Yeah, it's an elective, it's a, an elective procedure. You're finally getting that nose job. That's Congratulations. Right. <laughs> yeah, my awful. Uh, uh, yep, it's the, it's the one um, that you do. I, I had a very interesting, <laughs> a very, whoops, Bumping my microphone. I had a, uh, a conversation with a... Uh, so, here's the thing about <laughs> this procedure is... Um, I, I don't have a real good frame of reference, personally, about how much people talk about it. Like, obviously, you can be completely cagey and, and not mention it. I probably wouldn't mention it if it didn't, like, coincide with my move in a way that is makes for, like, relatively hilarious small talk. Um, cause like I have to, I have to get these boxes moved because I don't know if I'll be able to move anything when the movers actually come to move because, you know, I scheduled this thing, you know, two months ago and now it's just like happening on the same weekend. So, um, so I've been, you know, with people that I know relatively well at work when it feels appropriate mentioned it. But again, I don't have a frame of reference because I, the last person I can recall getting this done in my like social circle was a guy I used to work with who was just super outgoing about everything. He was the kind of person where you would just like, Oh yeah, of course that guy would. Yeah. Of, of course, Chris is going to tell me about his vasectomy. Like Chris tells everyone about everything. He's just that kind of guy, not in like an awkward way, you know, just like a super gregarious fellow. Right, so it's not really a good frame of reference for yourself here. Exactly. So it's like I don't want to make people uncomfortable, uh, but at the same time, if I feel like I know them well enough and they want to know why I'm going to be out for so many days, and like, oh, what you doing? Go on vacation? Go hanging out? You know, going out of town? It's like, 
Well, you, your choice is to either lie, like um, dissimulate, or like be like, well, surgical procedure, and then right. that just makes it sound more dire. Exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. You can't just say I'm I'm having a procedure. You have to. Well, you you can. Right. Like I, I, you know, you were people are entitled to their privacy. But again, I, I have enough like I don't know if it's social anxiety in this specific case, but I don't want to like make things more complicated for someone else. I don't want to like I feel like I don't want to burden someone with having to be nice about something that they have to assume they don't they that is like something they don't need more information about. You know, if I'm like, oh, it's a procedure, like I have every right to say that. But like now I've created something with them where they're like, oh, all right. Mental note, Cameron procedure. He's got something going on that he doesn't want people to know. Oh, like and it's like I I feel like people probably have like a limited to a degree, like a limited store of of uh, of awareness of things like that. And I'm taking up a slot in there that someone with an actual procedure that actually needs that sort of deference could use. It's like I'm parking in a handicap spot or something. <laughs> You're setting the standard. I mean, yeah. How, how transparent are you going to be here? Oh yeah. Well, uh, well I'm right. Yeah. So I'm, so I've mentioned it to a couple of people and one of the guys on Slack, I mentioned to, um, hold on. I have to look up this word. Um, one of the guys is going to end up, I just want to leap ahead and think that it started like this and then it got out of hand and now you're having a vasectomy party at work somehow. Well, if I, I mean, if, if I felt I needed that, I'm not, I wouldn't rule it out. <laughs> um, that, that, I bet that, I bet those happen. Um, I don't know, like scissor themed sort of, uh, like a party favors. I don't know. That seems like the same kind of thing that would happen where people or the same kind of thing that would happen with people who throw people parties for divorces and stuff. Oh yeah. It's not exactly. I don't know. You probably, I don't know. Like, I mean, you get a pinata and you just, then you just cut the pinata down and you throw all the candy away. Um, the, uh, the, come on, that was sort of funny. Uh, so I was thinking something more along the lines of it's full of sugar-free candy or something. <laughs> it's full of it's full <laughs> of lima beans. Um, yeah, my, uh, so my buddy at work, I I was like, oh, you know, he he had just had a, like an unrelated surgery and was out of the office. So I was like, oh man, I'm about to go under the knife myself. And then I sent him the peanuts emoji, which I feel like if you, I I thought that was pretty good, right? Like pretty low key. Mm-hmm. Mildly funny. He goes, "Oh man, been there too." Vericaselli, which I've never heard of. Vericaselli, I've never heard of this before in my life. <laughs> and so there's this moment where I have to go Google that word, and it's like, "What's it, I?" My immediate thought was like, "It's a doctor that does them commonly, right. <laughs> or is it a disease?" No, it is a um, it is a condition in which your your seminal vesicle is enlarged, and you have to like have so it's like actual real life nut surgery like not elective you know vasectomy it's like a a pretty aggressive pull like and and so like all of a sudden i went from being the guy who's like oh i don't know if i should tell you about this to the guy who's like oh okay now now i'm on the other end of this (laughs) pretty quickly (laughs) it was harmless and fine and extremely hilarious to me uh but like yeah i mean i guess yeah, I guess if you've gone through that, you're looking for a, a enlarged seminal vesicle buddy. You know, how often do you even run across the opportunity yeah, to find you out just, if someone's well, had that? You got to take the chance when you see it mm-hmm. uh, popping up. You know what I mean? You miss 100 percent of the nut shots you don't take. Um, again, sort of funny. Come on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to attribute that quote. Abraham Lincoln or something. Oh, uh, no, I did what uh, Shannon has called me out on doing, which is when I say something that I feel is pretty funny or witty, I sniff. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah I get you. It's like a tell. It's a tell. Like a, uh, and now you tell. know that. And now when it happens on the podcast, you'll think about it. 
I, I don't know that that's uh, <clears throat> universally true. I think we're going to get into a lot of confusing situations if I adopt that. Oh, just uh, well, I mean, if I come with a cold like, and then it just yeah. seems like I'm yeah, I'm like everything dude, I'm saying, should, like back off. All right, I'll laugh when it's funny. Okay. <laughs> Uh, uh, so that's my weekend. Anyway, okay. Yeah. So your 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 nuts are safe. Mm-hmm. Um, but the they're decommissioning the bypass. Uh, yeah. It's uh, there's um, boy, I should have come prepared with a lot more euphemisms. I, I will, <laughs> I will say the. I mean, I this is my personal first experience with a with a um. With a you know a ball doctor man urologist if you will ah yes I guess since it's the real term you will urologist uh he I how are you on how do you feel about funny doctors just in general are you looking for a doctor that's like down to business do you want a doctor that's gonna like goof around throw you off a little bit keep you relaxed um well that's a very fine distinction because. I feel uncomfortable with doctors that are too matter of fact, like you get the sense that they're interacting with you like a, uh, like a case file almost. Uh, (laughs) but then they're ones that are like, you don't want it to seem like they're putting more effort into being personable than they are like being involved as the, person single-handedly responsible for your well-being in a complicated procedure. Mm. They got to walk that line, you know what I mean? They got to be like joking but then saying stuff that you clearly don't know that indicates that they're competent. And yeah, yeah, okay. I I I feel that. I wasn't even that's an interesting angle. I wasn't even thinking about it in terms of like their expertise. I had a um, doctor growing up named uh, Dr. Schneider. Um, Dr. Schneider was an ear, nose, and throat doctor. And he was a... Um, I never, like, doubted his expertise during it, but he was the kind of doctor who, like, wants to keep you relaxed by, like... Especially when I was a kid. He, you know, I'm nine or whatever. And he's, like, uh, a little bit too wacky. You know what I mean? Like, part of his humor mm-hmm. is to keep you off balance if you're a kid. And I... I have always since then sort of like harbored a worry that I would get a funny doctor because <laughs> not because there would be like incompetent or anything or like you're saying they're like more worried about being funny than like doctoring, but just that like I'm I'm not I'm here to be comfortable and your idea of like relaxing me by throwing me off is like is like really counterproductive here. Doctor, sir. Here's the here's the idea. Yes, I agree. Here's the ideal doctor for me: a doctor that's super calm, sounds intelligent, and laughs when I try to make the situation a little more light. Oh, you like a funny patient? What? You, no, you, I you, wait. You like? I don't need like to be funny. funny. Okay. I just need that. That indicates the doctor is ready to be. Relaxed, okay. But putting it on my terms, it's a very like, oh, okay. That makes me very relaxed. All right. So what you're you're joking and testing it if the doctor is going to laugh is like a litmus test to verify that the doctor is not secretly super stressed out about something yeah, direly wrong I'm with the, you. Yeah, I'm the nervous one here, <laughs> right. right? If I sense that the doctor's trying to make jokes to relieve nervousness, who's nervous? Oh, I don't no. know. It could be him. Nobody wants a nervous doctor, for sure. <laughs> That's like the the worst possible world is that the one where the doctor is like something in his folder that he's not quite ready to tell you about yet. Yeah, well, well, it'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so here's my unless my, it's not. Am I right? <laughs> uh, there's a um, there's a commercial uh, bad doctors. Oh, yeah, that commercial I think with we're the like thinking of the, yeah. Actually, that's a pretty funny commercial. I gotta hand it to that commercial. Yeah, yeah, commercials. Um, or like the, um, recurring, I, I want to say, well, uh, 30 rock and, uh, and, uh, arrested development both have like classic bad doctors. Oh, wait. Well, Dr. Spaceman. What's the, and the doctor in arrested development who tells them that he's that, um, uh, uh, that Buster is going to be all right. 
but he means like he's like he lost his left hand. That guy. Oh, okay, yeah. I was missing the Arrested Development one. <laughs> no, I remember the Thirty Rock one. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So, yeah, society in general terrified of bad doctors. Um, I personally not a fan of uh, doctors that are trying to relax me by distracting me because I find I I take personal offense at like I'm not like a, a puppy. You can't just like jingle keys at me and make me not worry about something. Um, right. However. So anyway, I'm I'm talking with this uh this uh I, I think that you have to uh break down a little bit of barriers if you're gonna be like, you know, if literally your whole job is is balls. Um so this guy was was funny in a in a way that I think I can get behind or at the very least I respect given the context. Um but he, he so he's you know, he's telling me about what, what goes into this procedure. Right. And he's like, he's showing me on the charts or whatever. And he's like, and, and you know, I thought it was just a, a, you know, a cut. It's not a cut for this guy. Anyway, he's been doing it for 15 years or whatever, which, you know, countless balls. Um, he, he, uh, he cuts, he sews, he um, burns the edges or whatever, cauterizes. And then he puts tiny, tiny titanium clamps on there. So... I was like titanium. Uh, yeah, it's some like I believe it's titanium. Yeah, yeah, because that's what they use for like pins in your hip and stuff, right? It's one of the yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah I have. I think I have titanium in my leg from something. <laughs> well, uh, an official procedure, not just like <laughs> shrapnel from a titanium bomb or something. <laughs> not yet. Um, he. Uh, so I was. I was really thrown off by that last part. Was, you know, seriously. And he's like, oh yeah, well, 10,000 years from now when the aliens come, all they're going to find from left from you is uh, some fillings and two titanium clips. <laughs> I was like, oh, all right. And that made you feel <laughs> better or worse? <laughs> oh man. I, 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 like I said, you, you know, given the context, I, I respect his general vibe. Uh, you gotta, you gotta get, you gotta get the guy thinking the big picture. So he's not thinking about how you're like commenting on, you know, he's commenting on the texture of your scrotum and stuff. Like it's, it's quite a, (laughs) I do. Okay. So I do know a urologist well, Mm -hmm. um, and I've never like gone to one, but I am personally friends with one. And, um, yeah, I could see that he, He's he makes light of it when it's being talked about, um, <clears throat> but he's not like an overly goofy person who's always trying to distract one <laughs> with anecdotes or something. Right. I feel like of all the doctor types, it's maybe one of the ones where you have to walk that line. He's probably these probably the urologists are probably the funniest doctors. Let's be honest. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, they've got the setup for it. Well. Yeah. There's a couple, I imagine, but yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they don't want to make direct jokes about your... Like, they, it's so... Their their context... And, uh, Look, with great power comes right. great responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, man. And, like, I don't want to brag, but at one point he was talking about, like, you know, it's kind of like when I went into for my LASIK. But, by the way, like weirdly weirdly like a consistent through line there in terms of like going somewhere having someone tell you how good your body is for this permanent thing and then like getting some freaky thing done to you like it really this doesn't intimidate me at all because lasik was so bananas uh like just everything about that procedure was really overwhelming so this feels like it's going to be a walk in the park um but same kind of thing when they you go into lasik they like measure your eye and make sure that you are like a good candidate and all this stuff. And this, I, I loved that. Like that was this like very intense procedure where they like, they, they run a full eye exam and then they measure the thickness of your cornea. Cause they're going to be slicing some away and they want to make sure that they can like, you know, beforehand to the micrometer or whatever, like get all these numbers exactly right. And, and then the, the, the uh, vasectomy equivalent of that is this guy, you know, cupping my junk and being like, you know, well, some guys don't have a lot of room here, but this is going to be just fine. And then he goes, he gives me the okay sign. It goes, 
<laughs> and that made you feel better or worse? <laughs> he's like, Bob Hart, he's like, man, looks like this will just do. He's like, you got, you got a good situation here. <sighs> like, I'd always hoped that I was a good candidate for... Yeah, ball always, surgery. I was hoping the, the, looks the, like everything's good. If, if I was expecting to go to the urologist to have him give me the go, the old high sign, <laughs> come coming up aces today for Cam. Yeah, exactly. T- t- tip to stern. Uh, good for <laughs> good for all the surgeries. Ugh. Yeah, there's probably you probably don't want to be a great candidate for all surgeries though. So. <laughs> it's not a universal. I, yeah, I got to draw the line somewhere. Um, so yeah, that's I'm I've been too apprehensive to schedule such a surgery. So good for you. Like I said, I think that once you have, um, once you go into a room and have somebody clamp your eye down and cut your uh, cut the top of it into a flap. Right, and it's then, all downhill. <laughs> nothing. I, I that specific part of that. Well, that whole surgery is very fast, and like you're there. Well, you're there for it, especially if you're me and one volume doesn't do anything. Um, and uh, and it's it was just that was such an overwhelming like twenty minutes that like it's it would take a lot for another kind of procedure to really phase me at this point. Hmm. Well, I don't really want to get into the surgery game uh, hardcore, like to be more comfortable with it. So I'm going to wait till I, it's foisted on me <laughs> without my consent. You're, uh, yeah, I'm not encouraging some sort of a ramp up or some sort of a like <laughs> jump in the water uh, he- head first because it's cold sort of plan where you just yeah. get the most ex- intense surgery you can just to reorient <laughs> your attitude towards surgery. I hear I'm a real good candidate for a kidney transplant, so I'm thinking of just going for it. Just go wild, yeah. Mm-hmm. Get, get that first one out of the way. But what? while that seems like a big... Well, also, did they try to counsel you about it? Because I hear... You know, well, you have a couple kids, so it probably wasn't a big deal. But I hear yeah. that they're supposed to be like, hey, look, you know, like, you got to think about this. Yeah, they. I mean, they do a little bit of that. They'll give you the talk. And this guy, this specific guy, it's, it reminded me more of getting a tattoo than anything where, like, mm. you know, you go to a reputable tattoo parlor. Uh, and the parlor isn't even the right word because, right, like, a tattoo parlor makes you think of, like, a dude with an... You know, an old sailor, like, giving you one yeah, in the back alley. Yeah, you just sat down in the waiting room looking at the book and then was like, this one. I'll take the skull with the dice on it. And then, the you know, the place is all filthy or whatever. And the place that I got my most all my work done, it was, like, basically a dentist's office with better art on the walls. Like, very, very clean, sort of medical sort of situation. And, like, they'll give you this big talk where they're like, look, we're not going to... Um, you come in here having had anything to drink and you lose your deposit and we're not going to do this. Like, you know, they're, they're, or, you know, and you have to be a certain age and whatever, but like, this is, this was similar to that where it's like, just, uh, the guy's not going to, this specific guy would, would not work on somebody who was in their twenties and just decided early on in their life that they didn't want to have kids. Right. Like there's, right. there's, he's, he's like, and if you come in here drunk for the surgery, you're yeah. going out the door. Yeah. Probably. I haven't asked about that part. Um, yeah, he, he uh, but, you know, if you have a couple of kids, you're me and you're, you're around that, you know, <clears throat> as we've discussed previously, basically 35 for the next like 10 years or so. Um, yeah, it, it was, it was that part. Well, was and I imagine you hadn't planned on having any more kids for, since you had um, your kids, but, uh, like, doesn't it feel, is there some kind of existential feeling you're having? Like, this is the end of my progeny on Earth. Isn't there some kind of biological thing that connects psychologically with you at this point? Being like, I'm removing my ability to... <laughs> to procreate. Yeah. Well, to... <laughs> I don't know. I get the sense that it's the basic function of us to... You know, yeah, I remain alive after our death. What's interesting? What's interesting is like, like I I feel like that's the more personal, like part of it. 
Right, like not revealing to people that I'm going to get this work done, but if they then ask any sort of like follow-up questions about reasoning, that's the part where you're like, then you then you sort of like, you know, in a casual conversation, sidestep a little bit. Like my go-to has been like, hey, look, I got one for each arm, right? Like it's like, you know, one of each, and I came from a big family, and so we're calling it, right? Like there's mm-hmm. there's some simple stuff that you can say, but like, you know, it, it, that's the, it, it's, I mean, the, uh, in the context of the podcast, I could be, I think I could be a little bit more um, frank, which is like, there's a, mil- there's a ton of options, uh, of uh, factors for both people, right? Like I can't, I can only sort of speak to Shannon's. Um, uh, and I think there's also a sort of note when you see it aspect to it, where like mm-hmm. what we were waiting for after our second was, to like feel like the the baby wanting like meter fills up again because like right after you have a kid there you're that meter is the emptiest it can possibly be yeah yeah right? totally yeah and like you wait and wait and you just kind of like the way we've always played it is like to to really invest a lot because like, there are people who like turn around and they you know their kids are 18 months apart or whatever um and to each their own and on all that um, but for us, you know, our kids are four years apart and we, we, we just realized one day we didn't feel like that meter was filling back up again. Like, um, so there, there's other reasons too. like, for me personally, it's a combination of, uh, like even the logistics of like wanting to continue to live in a city is some like smaller factor, right? Like I don't, I don't, I feel if we were to keep going and have some large family, then that would affect like lifestyle decisions and stuff. Um, yeah. You'd have to move to the country. Yeah. We'd have to move to <clears throat> do what my family did and like chase around giant houses, hobby farm. Mm-hmm. And to, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so that's like not the number one reason, but it's not, not zero, right? Like there's, um, but, but I would say the, the overarching reason is, is the basic one of just like not both of us just like not feeling compelled. Um, but like for me coming from a family of seven, I don't, I, I know all of the downsides of that and I don't want to emulate it. Uh, I don't feel like it was bad, but it's also just like, I know enough about it to, to like not feel compelled. Right. That makes sense. One day I'll, uh, I don't know, <laughs> think through it long enough. Well, it's it's such a you know I'm I I feel like I want to uh, be as open about it as is useful, right? Like I don't. At some point, uh, it's almost like indulgent to like go on and on about why I personally decided to do it because I don't think that those reasons track to anyone else because it's such a highly personal thing um is that like it just occurred to me is that against like are catholics against that as well like officially i have no idea i can't i can verify that for us religion played no part in our decision let's see catholic asectomy this is the stuff you need Mm. to know Okay, this the, is why you tune the in. Google autocomplete follows me from Catholic vasectomy to Catholic vasectomy reversal and then Catholic vasectomy reversal ministry, which is probably Catholic vasectomy penance. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Uh, well, it looks the like fact it's that it says ongoing ministry issue. Yeah. makes me feel like, yeah, they are not, it's frowned upon. So it also makes me believe that there's a. Um, underground Catholic vasectomy ring where, you know, they refer to this doctor who's out of this particular city. Anyone knows them. And he does all of the vasectomies for this city's Catholics on the DL. And uh, then nobody knows. Nobody's the wiser. <laughs> Back alley vasectomies. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh it looks like they don't uh, this this blog uh, this blog appears to imply that they do not practice it uh but maybe it's not like super frowned upon i don't know i'm not 
That's the best I can do. I'm going to move right, on. We're not going to solve yeah, we that are not problem. Ex- yeah, <laughs> we're not experts in this field. Um, Neither do we have to worry about it. <laughs> neither. Yeah. Wow. I just I just on air corrected you and said neither instead of neither because I was not paying attention to what you I was know saying. That I apologize. It's a, it, you know that it's an accepted – I'm going <laughs> to – either or situation, which you can go either or. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I, I don't know why up. I did that. That was a that was an embarrassing moment. I should. Uh, no, really, I wouldn't say embarrassing. I I actually had a real conversion experience having read a book. Did we talk about this? A book uh, about human language. Oh no, that sounds uh, compelling. Do do continue. We have not. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was an audible. Uh, well, it was great courses, right? So it's a, like a lecture series, like a twenty-hour lecture series. No, it was probably fifteen hours. Anyway. On the origins of human language and more like how human language evolves and what it is and, and less a uh, like an etymology course, right? That was very incidental. It was more like, you know, how do sounds evolve and where do we see this and how is oh. so- society connected with how languages evolve? So like that. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> one of the more interesting things – that I came away with was a, severe, a, a severely reduced prejudice about types of languages or ways different languages are spoken. And I say prejudice, like I never, I, I, like, I don't know. I never thought people were worse for doing a certain thing or another explicitly, but like grammar mm. and dialect, or just accent, we'll say accent because dialect's a little confusing, is, uh, <clears throat> I don't know, I inherently made a value judgment off of a lot of it, more so than I probably should have, right? So yeah. as far as grammar usage, pronunciation, and accent, it is the only value judgment to be made there is if someone consciously refuses to use the accepted way of speaking in a situation in which they're supposed to be communicating uh, information effectively, say at work, you know, and you're trying to use a efficient means of communication. If you have the ability or take any sort of effort to match the communication styles that everyone around you has adopted, um, you know, that's just an efficient way. And if you intentionally ignore that, then it it does reflect on you a little bit as if you um, aren't playing or you aren't trying to work with the team. But outside of that, <clears throat> and even then, it's more like, is this a personal choice? Like person to person, doesn't even matter what the issue is there. Right. Outside of that, it's completely agnostic. I just had like... As to its value, I just I just had this inherent sense because it's connected with education sometimes or whatever that like there's some value in speaking well, quote unquote, or speaking a certain accent or speaking wait whether you're going to say fewer or less. Like, well that that one's actually like grammar though. Well, here's the thing. Okay, is that yes, <laughs> it it is true that there is a difference right between fewer or less but what you see is that so much of what we assume in our languages as important is often not even a part of another language and it really doesn't degrade the meaningfulness of their language right like we're obsessed with articles and like a and the do technically have a use in our language right to specify but we assume they're necessary and there's so many languages where they don't have it, and the 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 way they communicate isn't impeded in any serious sense at all. Um, and we just have this basic assumption that there's certain things that make communication easier or worse, right? So fewer and less. If all we ever said was less, like we'd be fine. What? What's that doing? Like the only thing that it does is you have to stop and think, well, can I count this amount or is it a a infinitely, you know, gradiated amount? Like 
who's that helping, right? Yeah, it's fun to have specificity sometimes, but like it absolutely is value agnostic in most senses. So like, yeah, I don't know. It just changed the way I subconsciously was feeling about hearing different ways of speaking or people who are from an area. I know a lot of people are from an area who have a very odd twist of accents on some words Mm -hmm. that just sound completely mispronounced. Yeah. Um, but are otherwise professional. And like, I guess I thought of it as a sign of, I don't know. I, I don't know. Unintelligence. Just like, if you were really intelligent, wouldn't you fix this? Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'm like, well, is it yeah. really important? It's not actually harming your ability to speak to other people. This is the thing. Like, I, man, this is, I, I'm also, I, I'm, would say to send me that lecture series, except I generally only listen to funny podcasts. Um, but maybe I should listen to it because I, um, I've found, I've, I've been watching, uh, uh, my version of this, I guess, which is a, uh, in-depth series of YouTube videos where, uh, a guy named Tim Rogers, do you know who Tim Rogers is like a game journalist? Uh, um, I don't know. Mean, name sort of sounds familiar. He's like a sure. game journalist savant. He's one of the best writers of things like that. And he put together this extensive video game uh, playthrough series of comparing the Japanese and English translations of Final Fantasy VII. Um, and as someone who like is fluent in both languages, like explaining what sort of nuance was lost with the translation, because Japanese is such a radically different language, not just in like how it's written. Uh, in, you know, like, you know, video game 16-bit looking text boxes, uh, but also, like, just in the way that it communicates ideas and things like that. Um, So that has been super-duper fascinating, right? Because so much of Japanese is, like, uh, implied. Like, they don't have a lot of the, like, extra words that we have, so they can get a lot done in a very small amount of, of real estate. Right. Um, or a very small number of words and things like that. So there's that angle to it. Um, but at the same time, uh, there's, so that's like cross cultural, right? Like cross, uh, language, uh, understanding that like different languages promote different ways of thinking just purely because the language itself is constructed completely differently. Um, but then the, uh, the the what you're talking about just in terms of like you know someone at work or someone you talk to on the street or whatever speaking in a different dialect or or accent or whatever um i think you know this isn't dialects and accents are like can be classist like very much so and have been for a really long time but i feel like it's gotten worse and worse where like you are immediately going to make uh you, you can easily find yourself making you know, like value judgments about someone in a bunch of different ways, just purely based on their accent. Um, the my grandmother uh, grew up in um, Brunswick, off the coast of Georgia, or on the coast of Georgia, um, and they. My understanding, I don't have a ton of information about it, but my understanding is they like kind of work themselves up into the like across across the tracks of, into the like higher class of of uh, of townsfolk at the time and she had a very strong she and my great-grandmother had very strong like upper-class southern accents right like the Mm -hmm. the georgia like the gone with the wind accent basically like the antebellum southern accent yeah yeah the real real georgie and uh then yeah yeah. oh sir um and so she uh got married to my grandfather who was in the uh in in the uh, Naval Academy, and all of a sudden, instead of living in, you know, uh, a snooty side of Brunswick, she's with a bunch of military wives from all over, and she forced herself to get rid of her Southern accent because she was, like, being looked down upon and regarded as as dumb and things like that. And we're talking, you know, 19, you know, 60, 19, late 50s, early 60s, and, like, the Southern accent was already... Uh, kind of under the gun in terms of that stuff. And like, it's not just the Southern accent. Uh, I mean, I grew up in the South and I have a mild Southern accent sometimes. Uh, And I, I inherently can't help but 
assume certain things about people who are using a southern accent. So yeah, my goodness, I don't know what other people think. Right, and and that if that expands way past you know just like regional accents. I think it also it also applies to like yes, like people ESL folks coming in, uh, and then you know there's there's so many different like on some level it's, it's very basic that we you shouldn't make value judgments about people well, based on how they speak, right? To, but well, I already thought that, right? Yeah. That was my intellectual understanding, right? Mm-hmm. But I I think I really a few things were picked apart where I was like, yeah, I mean, I think I thought that, but I didn't know I didn't believe it in a lot of ways. Yeah. It was very interesting. So you can learn something about a person based on how they speak or the words they choose to use, but I think it was a lot less and different things that I was learning than I assumed that I could learn from that. Um, so it was very interesting, yeah. Languages, the value of a language is not inherent whatsoever. Like every single language, you went through all these languages. And they're all like radically different in a lot of ways as to how they approach things. But none of them seemed superior or inferior in any great way. I mean, we're talking like maybe plus or minus 5% if you tried to come up with some kind of absolute usefulness of a language metrics, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was surprising to me. I just thought like there was some – I think we get used to the idea of progress generally – you know, everything is progress in society. Mm-hmm. And languages are just sort of incidental. Like, they all do things differently. And there doesn't seem to be one way that has achieved some kind of, you know, corner on this is a better language than another. It's it's too organic, I guess, or too societal. Yeah, I think that, like, if, if it was a best language win situation – Probably English wouldn't be as common as it is. Right. Uh, the language that wins is, as he says, the language with the juice, like who's in power, mm. period. Oh, it's kind of like kind of like religions in Europe and, and <laughs> over the last 2,000 years. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, Japanese. So I've been I, I don't think I would ever do anything about it, but I find the like the Japanese super interesting just because it's so, so, so foreign to me. Like, and it's so wacky how there's, like, there's two syllabaries, like, there's two separate ways of writing, and then there's a third set of writing, because the syllabaries would be so, it would be so tedious to write everything out as a series of sounds, um, and I, I think that there's also, like, meaning issues and stuff, because there's there's technically no spaces in Japanese, and all this crazy stuff, and then, so they'll also use the Chinese kanji alphabet, which is, like, thousands of characters that are for different words that have all just been reused from Chinese. I don't know how much you've read about Japanese that this might all be. Yeah. He was, he actually talked about a lot of that. Yeah. It's, it's wacky. And so like when you're looking at a, you know, a, um, if you're looking at video, I, the video game dialogue boxes are such an interesting example because that, you know, there's, there's not a lot of space in one of those little text boxes and like it, it whatever's in there is this like crazy combination of, syllables when somebody needs to spell out a word or kanji when there's a word kind of like pre-baked and then there's like weird modifiers and then they, all, all that's on top of just the basic fact that the the actual phrasing of words is different and there's in the in general that language relies way more on context than ours like you you wouldn't say i was reading along along, along the lines of this if you wouldn't say like hello how are you today to someone in japanese like that's just not a phrase that people say. They just say good. <laughs> like the literal translation of the greeting is just like the word good with like a question mark sound at the end. Or what, you know, there's just like uh colloquially or whatever however you put it. Like there there's just ways that they that things are said that are completely different than ours. Um my favorite example from that whole series was um actually the opposite. It was a situation in which you know, for all these times that Japanese apparently is like extremely context sensitive, uh, mm-hmm. there's one phrase where in the in the uh, game there's like a character that's flying an airplane, and they the airplane's hit with something. And then what he says is, 
um, a special Japanese tense that we don't have that basically means something happened, but also it's the state of whatever it happened is also continuing to happen. So it's like a past, uh, it's a past sort of passive continuous state tense. Yeah, I'm uh, following you. I mean, I'm I'm sure I could find a way of saying that in English that would involve extra words. <laughs> right, but in English it's, we're hit. Like, right? It, it just, it means mm-hmm. like we are hit, which in outside of context in English could means a bunch of things. We know that it means that we are like that, or we've been hit, right? And if and you could say like, we've been hit, like we've been hit before, right? Like that there's an, it, there's like tone and context can make that phrase mean a bunch of things in English because we don't have a word. We don't have a way to make that like mean something more free of context. But in Jap- Japanese, the phrase literally translates to we are we the, being hit is a thing that has happened to us. And now we are still in the state of having been hit. <laughs> oh, so it's not like they were continuing to be hit. No, it was like we are still having the effects of having been hit. Right. The state that has happened to us is also currently the, our state or something. Yeah. Here's. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yes. So English is not as nearly as context-based as a lot of languages, which makes it less streamlined in some circumstances. But you are able to – it's almost uh, – it, you trade that for a certain utility. Um, yeah. One of the interesting ones brought up is apparently in a lot of languages – so you've heard the only phrase that I can think of that is like this in English is if you say – well, I don't know why you would, but say you're on your hobby farm – and you're like, uh-huh. we just bought, you know, five head of cattle, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Which is something you would say when you move out to the country uh, and decide not to have your vasectomy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, we got to have ranch hands. Yeah, totally. So the, there are quite a few languages that apply that model to most things. So if I said I have five pencils – I would say I have five straights of pencils. And if I had a ball, I'd say I have five rounds of balls. Like you actually have to include a descriptor um, as to the type of object it is with the object. And if you speak those languages, it seems like if somebody didn't, that's totally improper. But having a language that doesn't do that, you can see the utility of it is almost zero in most cases. Hmm. So that's a that's a flip side of the example of when you hear something misspoken grammatically or whatever. Sometimes you have to think, you know, am I used to this? Or is, is that actually reducing the uh, clarity and amount of information I'm receiving? That's and it's just wild to imagine. That's really interesting for like because I long time ago, like previous job I had, I remember having a project that was one of my first like projects that needed to be internationalized, and um, we I wanted to do like phrasing on tabs. So you know instead of a tab saying messages with five in parentheses next to it, have it say five messages. And I remember being on a call with, uh, I believe the site had to be in Arabic, right? So it had to be R, R, R to right to left. And um, and that guy, the guy on the call saying, I haven't thought about this in a zillion years, but like he, I remember him saying like, uh, we just don't, like, that's not a thing. Like we don't have the word, like a number next to a plural noun like that. Um, that might be why. I've never seen it. And you're like, it. you should. <laughs> well, in like in English, like a plural, like our collective nouns are almost entirely trivia based, right? It's like, oh, did you know a, a group of crows is called a murder? Like no one uses it. It's a round. Right. Um, well, yeah, it's exactly. It's it, it, so I always knew that. And I also knew that there wasn't an incredible utility to it other than knowing how to use the language. But I think it made it much clearer to me that it really is just that you happen to have mastered the current accepted version of the language in a lot less of any kind of usefulness of that truth. Like it's just a lot, a lot of it's just trivia 
And sure, I will still I still enjoy speaking correctly because I like the idea of common understanding. It's easier for all of our brains to quickly understand the idea I'm trying to transfer to your brain. Mm. But like it's it's incidental. Yeah, like what do you say? Moose, meese, swarm, murder, whatever. Like it's just trivia in a lot of cases. I, and uh, yeah. I feel like I got on – I feel like I, I on the DL got on a high horse inside my head about it. Yeah. Well, I, that's the like zenness of it that I think that we should all strive for, right? It's that not that it – I feel like there's another like sort of language nihilist path you could go down where you're like, well, nothing means anything. We're all just making tongue sounds <laughs> like – Forget it. Yeah, totally. No, it's it's about communicating. Language is always just at its very basic. I have a th- idea in my head. How do I make it most completely move to your head? Yeah, and, and like, yeah. there's a lot of ways to do that, including non-verbally. <laughs> right, well, yeah. I mean, we've talked about that on the show before. Like the um the limited uh, usefulness of Reddit because you aren't you're not getting body language or tone or, or context about a human being or anything other than, you know, uh, some words on a page from, Mm -hmm. you know, from, from the void. Um, yeah, I think like that, that built in, like, uh, hopefully the, the, the Zen-ness of it is that the, that does give you the freedom to, uh, know that almost every augmentation of language is, at your disposal to try to say your idea to someone in the best of your ability. But it also means that like that that we could all stand to be more empathetic for someone who is also, you know? Yeah. Like, am I trying to understand the thing they really mean or am I just trying to make sure that they say it the way that I definitely would have I, or I'm a, I, I, the way that I was about to say that I think was probably also kind of lame, which I was I was going to give it like I was going to say something like that. Oh, well, they're doing the best they can with with the understanding that if they were better at language than they would have <laughs> yeah, said it yeah. like I would have said it and whatever, which is not 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 actually enlightened of me at all. Um. Yeah, and it's still <laughs> fine. <laughs> See, there you go. So you do need to listen to this. Uh, um it, yeah, it's it's fine to believe, as I still do, that there is a value and and a an excellence in in wanting everyone to have complete uniformity in a way to speak language. Not always, like you might speak a different way at home than you do to someone else, right? But like the idea that we could all agree on a very specific ways to communicate as a universal type of language um, is very appealing and I think laudable, right? But to say there's some kind of, you know, decrease in value of a person that they haven't reached that is just untrue, but it's still a goal that you could want to accomplish, I think. Well, you and I both have complicated histories with something as simple as uh, as uh, expletives, Right, like the um, my fam- your your dad being the one who had the the curse box that muted the TV when yes. someone said something naughty, and my family having a long history to this day of um of saying basically shaming bad language. There's mm-hmm. the way that my family will do it is like, oh, it's you know, it's just a shame that they couldn't think of a better word to use there. Or like, yep. or the yep. like, uh, oh, that person's vocabulary is so limited. That's code in my family for that person said shit or something. Um, yeah. So there, there is not. Yeah, no. It's a specific. There is no replacement for certain ways to express things. That it, yeah. Again, I, I didn't want to step on you there, but it strikes me as there isn't a inherent badness or goodness to it, other than what's it what it's expressing and sometimes it expresses something well sometimes it says something else about someone i guess yeah i guess i I write in like maybe uh something i've been working on and as a as an adult human being is like 
um, sometimes the correct conclusion is to not have one and to just, you know, like the, the, the different, the, uh, counter to the, uh, need from my family growing up to like always, if there was bad language in anything, be like, oh, well, that's a shame that they couldn't think of a better way to say that. Like the counter to that isn't to be like, actually they're, they, you know, the, like here's the opposite value judgment where I cast, you know, glory upon the word fuck in this movie because it was so important that they say it and like no the counter is just that like you don't have to have any sort of value judgment at all you could just like take the uh the way someone says something and the words they use and the like pronunciation that they use and everything else as is part, it getting across what they were trying to right, get across? It's all part of their you, their overall package of a thing that they chose to say and communicate. And then you can just take that as a unit of information instead of like plucking off the part that you disagree with and then calling it out. Right. Or yeah, and, yeah, no, yeah. yeah it, and it's not removing. It's not like total. Uh, what's like? It's not total relativism, right? So. I'll give you an example I think about a lot, which is a movie is only good and bad, in my opinion, insofar as did it do what it was trying to do. If it did what it was trying to do well, and I don't like that kind of thing, it's a good movie that I'm not into. If it, did, if it didn't even do what it was trying to do well, even if it's a type of movie I like, it's a bad movie, right? So... <laughs> In that sense, like, it could be a movie that I would be like, why do people waste their time watching that stuff? But within that context, I can think, well, you know, they really did exactly, they did that well, you know? And I think Uh about that a lot. I think that's very similar to what you're saying about that, which is, you know, was it a pointless use of language or was it an effective use of language? And that's, you know, that's going to be context-based. Right, or at least makes for a more interesting conversation than just a like broad value judgment because you don't like the words. Um, yeah, uh, here's here's the uh, parallel universe of that. Oh, it's uh, the movie where no one is allowed to swear even once, even in uh, situations where it would be appropriate, and and the people sitting at home are like. Uh, it's a real shame that they went out of their way to not express what they wanted to express because they put an artificial limitation on their speech patterns. Wait, are you saying that that is a? Oh, I yeah, I yeah. That's a that's a that's a judgment against someone who refuses to use. Uh, uh, like if you <laughs> made like a mafia movie or something, and then like also everyone has just like the cleanest mouths, that would probably end up being reflected in the rest of the film too, right? Like there, that usually the limitation in play is not language. Um, but I see. Right. I, I think, think that's we're what just you're, you're yeah. just that that wasn't a true judgment. I'm just saying of the opposite, and you find that it's it does it's not even a holistic thought pattern for the whole situation, like. To say that there aren't people who you need to portray that would misuse language, even if it were a misuse of language, and right. then to say somehow that it was bad that that was included in a movie, the representation of someone who definitely exists, even if you think they're a type of person who you don't like. <laughs> like, how confusing is that and not sensible? It's not, yeah, it doesn't seem productive. Hmm. Whatever. I mean, clearly, I have a strong opinion, but uh, that maybe is counter to my whole point. So. I don't know. I think like having uh, having strong opinions that I shouldn't have opinions about, or the strong opinions that I don't have opinions or I or value judgments about something is a definitely a like that's a theme for me that extends far and wide beyond just specifically language. So I find that parallel satisfying. Mm. Yeah. yeah yeah it's not always equivalent well it's to like the opposite we it's like we talked about before like you know forming realizing when you don't need to have an opinion about something is a big part of growing up I, mean, I always thought it would be the opposite <laughs> that i have like more and more opinions your opinions yeah. at the end of your life eventually i would have I think, only well, perfect I opinions think that that's a path <laughs> people take in their minds and i think i'm falling the opposite 
following the opposite opposite path in a lot of ways. Yeah. I'm like, well, I think of anything at the end of my life. No, you'll just be, yeah. no, you'll be, uh, you'll have, uh, yeah, you'll be a Zen master. It'll be awesome. <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, uh, absorb my, into the ether on my deathbed. Mm-hmm. Yoda style. You'll just fade away into the mist. Um, completely content. And then show up later and burn a tree and cackle. Wait, I get to do that? <laughs>